Welcome to the Explanation of Benefits podcast. Have you ever wondered how healthcare works? Would you like to take a look behind the curtain with industry experts, healthcare executives, and policymakers to demystify the topics of the day and the ongoing evolution of healthcare? We invite you to come on a journey to learn about the ecosystem that keeps you and your family healthy. This podcast is sponsored by the Michigan Association of Health Plans, representing 10 health insurers here in the state of Michigan and delivering care to 3.1 million Michiganders. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Explanation of Benefits podcast sponsored by the Michigan Association of Health Plans. Uh, This recording, we're uh, excited to have Director Anita Fox from the Department of Insurance and Financial Services join us. Um, Director Fox, thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're excited uh, to talk to you. Now, part of this podcast has been to demystify healthcare and also bring on the the movers and shakers, the policymakers um, regarding healthcare and health insurance in Michigan. And in your role as director of the Department of Insurance and Financial Services, or as I'm sure, you know, we'll get into acronym central here as we call it DIFFS, um, you have quite a bit of influence over the health insurance market here in Michigan. Um, can you just talk a little bit about um, your role and, and what role your department plays in the health insurance landscape? Sure. So the Department of Insurance and Financial Services, or DIFFS, as you've mentioned, um, we view our role in a big picture way as ensuring you know, access to safe and sound insurance and financial services um, for consumers in Michigan. And what that means in the health insurance space is we regulate health insurers, HMOs, uh, Medicare supplement plans, and other things like vision, dental, and hearing coverage. We review rates, forms, and certificates of coverage. We answer consumer questions. We provide uh, a website that has a lot of information. Um, and we really just try and get um, information out to consumers so that they can educate themselves in the best way possible and pick the best insurance in all lines uh, for their family's needs and budget. And I think we'll we'll spend some time diving into all of those different aspects. I think, you know, DIFFS plays a very essential role in healthcare. And especially, um, I think your focus has been really the consumer aspect of healthcare since, since you've taken over the position. Um, but I think maybe the one thing our listeners would instantly flag is you have rate review authority um, over some health insurance plans here in Michigan. Um, can you give like a just a quick overview of like what what that what that entails? So what we do is um, we look at the filings that come from the companies that have been prepared and there, there are certain questions that they've had to answer and um, information and data that they provide to support their rates. And we have um, actuaries that assist us in reviewing these individual and small group rates and use our own internal actuary um, to review all these rates to ensure that they're fair and appropriate and based on you know the actual kind of claims history and information that the company has. So we can kind of review that premium increases or decreases are reflected, um, reflective of what kind of claims experience they've had and aren't just arbitrary. Um, and, um, and that way we're able to help explain to consumers why they are. We'll be able to ask questions to the, to the insurer and ask them to go back and kind of tweak things. Um, so our role is really in the rate review process is to review the rates and just make sure that they're fair and appropriate. And that's a role that plans have to go through annually for those for those product lines you mentioned, correct? Right. 
Yeah. And, you know, usually starts, I, I mean, if I, I know plans start to build their rates the first part of the year, the first quarter, and then I think they're usually due to the department sometime, you know, early second quarter, and then you guys, you guys have to go through it. I mean, that's just got to be an incredible workload reviewing all the plans, filings and all the different lines. It's, it's, it's really a credit to your team to, that um, they're able to get all that work done ahead of all these deadlines. Yeah, they really have done a great job. And especially as we've all been dealing with COVID and um, dealing remotely, the department um, has really not missed a beat. And um, in addition to health plans, we also review auto plans. And as, as your listeners probably know, you know, we went through a big auto uh, no-fault uh, insurance reform and all those plans, every single insurer had to refile their plan. And we had to have turn those out um, for an implementation date of July this year uh, with with everybody working remotely. And um, that was a lot of work. And now we're into the annual health insurance review. And um, summer is always a really busy time for those folks. Uh, a lot of people like to take vacations in summer. This is an area where they're really at their peak workload because they're, they're meeting those deadlines. Some of them are to coordinate with the federal government's um, plans and the like. And so we have to be very um, cognizant that those deadlines are important. Uh, so I really have a great team and they do really work hard and they take it to heart that they're really looking after um, a good marketplace for Michigan and, and getting these rates out um, is important to keep business going in Michigan, but it's also important to consumers um, to get health care. Yeah, I, I would say I have the pleasure of interacting with several people on your staff on a consistent basis. And, and you're right. They are very hardworking. They're very de- dedicated and, and they're they're great to work with. And we we have our robust discussion. We get our points across, but they're, they're a very responsive team. And I know we appreciate that at the association. Well, I can tell you, we like to be a department that regulates with communication, not just by orders. We we like to have um, industry be able to talk to us, and we like to be able to pick up the phone and call industry and say, this doesn't seem right. And we want consumers to be able to um, access us through email, through our website. Um, through We have a, a live call center uh, that has this answer from 8 to 5, Monday through Friday um, at 877-999-6442. You'll get a person to answer your question. If they can't answer it, they'll find you a subject matter expert, even down to the level if, you, if you've if you tried to work with your company and you can't understand your rate, we will you know get together with the insurer, your, your agent, um, look at your documents and, and help you work through that um, if you can't get a good answer um, once you've talked to your agent or your insurer. Yeah, I think um, one of the interesting things, because I'd like to, to get into your background a little bit, because you have a great background before you arrived at this. But, you know, you mentioned the, the COVID pandemic. Um, you know, was there a uh, worldwide pandemic training as uh, that you were given on your way into being director? Or is this just uh, working on the fly for you? Um, I think like everyone, um, you know, pandemic was always sort of something you might have heard something about, saw it in a sci-fi movie or you know, people would talk about um, in other areas of the world. I don't think any of us appreciated um, what could happen here and how it would affect our daily lives. I, I heard a, a funny thing where someone said, every single person that was asked five years ago in a job interview, where do you see yourself in five years was wrong? Because nobody really, really thought this would be it. I can tell you just looking at what happened internally in state government and watching businesses that we regulate, including, you know, health insurance and organizations um, is that if we'd asked early in it, like, how long would it take to turn your whole staff and get everything ready? And could we meet all our deadlines um, if we could, to, you know, turn on a dime to remote work? And I think everybody would have said, let's start two years out, 
mm-hmm. plan and then we'll have a, a pilot program and then the next year we'll we'll price some of the equipment that we'd need and then we'll phase in a group um but everywhere across the board, um, I can tell you the industries we regulate and internally, uh, the staff here at DIFFS and, uh, and across state government, um, in a matter of weeks, uh, picked up and kept going uh, from their remote locations. So, no, there's no training. Uh, I'm sure the same thing for you in an industry and, and families, you know, yeah. homeschooling, um, how do you get your groceries, um, you know, all the things we do, paying your bills, you know, they're a lot of those things were really like, there was no manual. Um, um, so we've all had to adapt. Yeah. I personally was never a great, um, work from Homer myself. Um, and as I'm looking out from my desk, which I would also like to call an office, but it really is my kid's playroom. And it's also my daughter's school right now. And it, it used to, yeah. it used to be my, my wife's office before I took it over here. Um, you know, this room's gotten some work this year. Um, and, and I think we're, we're, we're all trying to adapt. Um, also, you, know, you have to think about those families that don't have good internet connection or banking um, uh, relationships or don't have kind of the internet savvy. You know, there there was even a higher learning curve and, and more hurdles and barriers um, for a lot of people. Um, yeah, so I, I, would, I would totally put a flag in the uh, the broadband discussion. I think that that that's an issue I've I've started to ponder quite a bit from a policy perspective, but mm-hmm. I think we need a lot smarter minds than mine to even dive into that issue with, with any with any level of intellect. Um, the other part, you know, you talked about partnering. We talked a little about the COVID crisis. Um, one of the partnerships you've maintained with a lot of the insurance in Michigan is to ensure that a lot of the cost sharing provisions um, are 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 being maintained. Can you talk about so, sure. some of those uh, some of those agreements that plans have entered into and how that's benefiting consumers? Sure. So early on, um, you know, so you probably saw in some states there were orders, you know, where insurers had to be ordered to, you know, waive cost sharing in terms of deductibles, co-pays, out-of-pocket costs for COVID testing, and then ultimately for treatment. Um, and here in Michigan, we were able to early on get an agreement with literally like 90% plus of the market voluntarily to agree to waive those cost sharing um, so that families and people didn't have to worry about if they went to get a test, you know, could they afford it? How much is it going to cost? And what if I have, you know, in the midst of um, high unemployment and people being furloughed and everything, how will I pay for the treatment for my family? That took that worry off their plates. And then as we realized this, this was going to go forward longer, um, we we asked uh, insurers, you know, why, don't, why doesn't everyone voluntarily extend this uh, to the end of the year? And we had the same success, if not greater, in getting plans to say they were not going to charge their um, policyholders for those out-of-pocket costs for COVID treatment and um, testing through at least the end of the year. And then I guess everyone will reassess to, you know, hopefully as things uh, turn the corner in 2021, um, where we are. Yeah. So that's and, and very helpful to consumers. I think just taking the worry off and also the financial burden. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a credit to, you know, your statement earlier about, you know, communicating with industry um, on all the industries, really. I know we're, we're really talking health insurance here, but you mentioned um, the auto carriers and I, I believe you also have credit and banking underneath your, your umbrella, you know, having that partnership and being able to get on the phone and work with everybody to say, this is what's good for the benefit of all Michiganders and we should, and can we agree to do it? And I think that's a, a testament to your overall leadership. And I think a testament to the industry as a whole. 
Well, thank you. And we did do that, for example, um, with the banks and credit unions um, on the uh, my mortgage relief plan. Same thing. We didn't have to order it. We had, you know, over 200 uh, institutions agree that they to certain parameters for forbearance um, on on loans that that might have been coming due during COVID. So um, we think that that's an effective and and quicker way to go. Sometimes, if you have to go through the whole contested process and orders and and the like, it, it uh, you don't get relief to consumers as as quickly, and it can't be as flexible um, to individual needs. So one of the things we encourage, um, and I'll encourage your listeners here, is you know if you have questions, reach out to your health plan, reach out to your auto insurer, reach out to your bank, um, you know, talk with them, um, and and get information because um, you'll find that a lot of them are really willing to help for what's what it's very complicated for many people. Well, we've, uh, I, I think we've done a good job previewing a lot of the other topics. Maybe we'll dive into here deeper in the podcast, but I think uh, one thing that would be, would be great to lay out for everybody is, you know, your background before you reached us. I know you were a practicing attorney uh, amongst other things and you had some insurance specialization. So uh, maybe talk about your background and then how that fit into the, uh, the, the picture of, of coming into diffs. So um, I went to law school at University of Michigan, and after law school, I went and worked on a political campaign for a little while and ended up in Washington, D.C. and stayed there um, at a large firm there in D.C. and practiced law for a while. Um, I moved back here when I, uh, I'd grown up in Michigan, but I moved back here to marry my late husband, um, stayed here, still working for my D.C. Uh, firm for a while as a pioneer in telecommuting. And my pioneer, I mean FedEx packages every day. And then when um, when dial-up internet came, it was a really big deal. Um, so I'd have like a fax machine going and the FedEx guy coming to the door. Um, but then ultimately I joined a Michigan firm and um, and then uh, moved over to Fraser to Bilcock in Lansing and uh, finished my career law career out there. Um, before Governor Whitmer asked me if I would run this department. Um, while I was practicing law, I did a, a wide range of commercial kinds of business disputes. Um, but I, right from the beginning, I specialized in insurance coverage. At the time, you know, environmental insurance coverage was really booming. They, the idea of, you know, we have all these super fund sites and things that go back where they were dumping, you know, back from from how many years, you know, 30 years. And, uh, you know, when no one was really thinking about it, but um, did insurance policies, you know, all the way back respond and um, how do they respond? And, you know, what are, you know, what, when pollution exclusions came in, all kinds of complicated issues. And so I, I kind of developed a specialty and, and I stayed with that all the way through. So the great thing about this job is um, at this point in my career to be able to do something completely different. You know, I'd never been in state government. Um, I am in the industries besides uh, insurance and, and insurance regulation, which is different from what I was doing, but building on what I've done for uh, a long time um, was, is really, it's really been great. Even despite some of the, the fits and starts that we've had all together in 2020, um, you know, I feel really privileged. I work with a great group of people on exciting topics that are, are really important to the well-being um, and financial security of, of a lot of people. So um, it's, it's really great. I, you know, I've, I've taught uh, law, of course, at, at uh, Michigan State College of Law. I've lectured for um, Amelia's Insurance, which is a big insurance publication here uh, and, and in um, Europe. Um, and so I've gotten to do a lot of really exciting things, and this is just uh, a, a great extension of it. And, and I feel really fortunate to be here. Yeah, and I think you're you're even slightly underplaying it. I mean, you you were rated as a preeminent lawyer from Martindale Hubble, so uh, you definitely came in with an extremely high level of confidence. And, and for those that don't know, that is a rating that comes from your peers, um, right? Yeah, so I'm proud of that, um, and I've had that um, for a long time. 
Um, so I think that's one of the interesting things I wanted to touch on a little bit with you is, so you, you come out of the practicing, attor- practicing attorney space, you, you enter diffs and now you've went from, you know, working in the world to that regulator role. What was that transition like for you? Maybe from a, from a, a, from a legal perspective and maybe just be from almost a, a mentality perspective. Sure. Well, um, from a from a kind of practical aspect, um, one of the great things about this department, to go back to my staff, is um, a lot of the people have been there for a long time and are very specialized in what they do. So I was really fortunate to come into a department where a lot of things were running pretty well, and that gives you flexibility to think about from an outsider perspective, kind of coming in, what could be done, you know, better or differently, or why are we doing this? You know, things people get in sort of a habit of, well, we've always done it that way, but kind of being able to step back and say, yeah, but is that, you know, is that still the best way to do it? You know, well, business has changed a lot. People's needs have changed. And so that, that was really um, kind of an exciting and and great part of it. We'll say having been a litigator um, where you kind of pick up a different kind of, you know, area of the law, and then, you know, you have a kind of a different industry. And so, a lot of what you're doing is kind of analyzing something new. That was really great training for kind of looking at these different areas um, and learning to make decisions um, and how you get people along to to buy into decisions and and take other people's views and tweak your own thoughts. I, I've done a lot of mediation and other things. And so, you know, I think all those skills really come together, um, I hope, to help me be a better leader um, at DIFFS. Um, to take this subject matter expertise that people have to kind of help them grow out of in, in you know uh, in different ways for what they've already been doing, but also in being able to uh, accept the views of different kinds of stakeholders and work together towards the best result. Now, have you found instances where maybe you're getting ready to issue regulations or, or or make a decision where you've said you've thought about how would this how would I analyze this if I were out in the practicing attorney world and has that changed how you might have made a decision or um, is is you know is that not real is that not really part of the analysis anymore like I guess I'm just thinking about like. You know, this idea of sometimes when you're an attorney or anybody else, you're questioning what the regulator did going. Did they know what they were doing? And now you're probably in the role going, no, I really do know what I'm doing. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what else I feel like has been good about having been a a lawyer before? I can look ahead and think about what could lead to litigation and how could I make it so that there would be more clarity, less litigation, or if there were litigation, that it would be more streamlined. Like, for example, like thinking about if we put in this provision um, that allows people, I'm going to think about auto no fault. If you put in a provision in auto no fault that says um, someone can call in and uh, make a change to their agent on the phone, you can think ahead as in what the litigation can be from Mm -hmm. there. I didn't say that. Yes, you did. Uh, Whatever. So writing into the law or or suggesting what to the legislature, things like, well, what shouldn't someone who wants to rely on that have recorded the call? And you keep that as long as you need it um, to rely on how someone made a choice. And now maybe that avoids litigation altogether because they now don't have a dispute what was said. And if there were litigation, they now have the evidence they need. And you put in an evidentiary standard. If you don't have it, we'll assume you that it didn't exist or, you know, those kinds of things. So that's just a little example. Sometimes I try and think as we're doing things. And I did it as we were writing forms and doing other things. And I work on these things, I think. Well, how can we make it so that um, people will ha- won't have to go to court or into disputes um, to to have clarity or get their rights um, to assert their rights? 
Now I'm going to ask you the question I ask a, a lot of attorneys that progress into roles um, is is one of the main drivers just not having a billable hour, billable hour requirement anymore? You know, it's not just the requirement because I've always been a person who I kind of never focused on, you know, how many hours is it going to take? I get the job done. Um, I, I kind of am a task person. I, I like to clear off my desk. And so I didn't really have that issue, but I think it's more keeping track of your time in six minute increments. Um, I think most people who aren't attorneys don't can't really feel like what it would be like to have to say specifically who you talked to, what you talked about, what you worked on as you're trying to juggle many things. Um, when you get down to that level of six minutes, everything sounds almost ministerial. Mm-hmm. And you can look up after having done 10 things and then try and say, okay, how did I provide <laughs> that? Or you hang up on the phone and you think, that was a quick call. And, and really it took half an hour, but you, it doesn't feel that way. Um, and so, so I think for me, I like to get things done. I don't mind working hard. I don't mind the hours. Um, but I, I, I am appreciative of not having to parse it out and be so responsible for recording it in that minute way. So the the answer is you don't miss billable hours, huh? I do not. <laughs> As I was clearing out my office, you know, I, I started looking at things like, you know, you've got decades of, of stuff you've worked on. I had, you know, pleading files and things and forms. And I, I thought, I'm going to give these away or throw them away because I'm never doing this again. I said, I'm not looking back. Um, I like what I do. Um, I may do something else, but I, I don't think I, I mean, sitting here today, I don't think I'd go back to something where I was parsing up my life into six minute increments. Yeah, I, I was a, I was a judge's clerk. And at one point, you know, we were, we had a jury of wide ear going on. And one of the, one of the um, people in the, in the jury box was saying, you know, I, I call myself a recovering attorney. And <laughs> she was like, yeah, I'm not going back either. She's like, I'm, I'm having a lot more fun doing what I'm doing now. Um, I really enjoyed being a lawyer. And I think it, um, I learned a lot and I, you know, it had a lot of, of things that I liked about doing, but um, it's time to do something different. So um, moving on to something kind of totally different, but I mean, really within um, a lot of what you're trying to accomplish. So a lot of the Whitmer administration is, has been focused on, you know, expanding care to as many people as possible. And, and one of the ways that has been in place now since 2014 is is the marketplace. And we have open enrollment. Um, do, would you like to give our listeners just maybe your, your two minute um, or take as long as you want? I think everything you say is great. Um, understanding of the exchange and what they should be thinking about from a consumer's perspective. Sure. First thing they should know that um, open enrollment um, runs from November 1st to December 15th uh, of this year, and that's for coverage that begins on January 1st. So we are about to head into the thick of it. And actually, you can get on already today. There there are websites where you can go in, and we have one, um, which is michigan.gov slash health insurance. And that the great thing about that is you can log on. You don't have to have an account or, you know, make your – you can start looking around at what the different plans are. and and kind of get an idea. A lot of people think, oh, it's really complicated and it's going to be expensive and, you know, don't bother to do it. But the good thing is you can go in there and it will direct you towards whether you, you know, if you qualify for a Medicaid plan or if you go into these these ACA plans, the Affordable Care Act, and, and, and what that is in the marketplace are um, these plans that you might heard called Obamacare um, or, or the ACA Affordable Care Act. And, and these are plans that have um, some benefits that are defined. So you know that they're going to have some comprehensive health benefits. 
um, that, that have been determined that are, are really necessary and the best to, for people to have good health insurance, which means they'll get good health care. And when we know people get have access to health insurance and health care, they have healthier lives um, and, and they live more productive and happy lives. So that's kind of the goal of this program. And so in Michigan, we have access to uh, nine different health uh, healthcare insurers that offer a variety of plans. There are plans at different levels, depending on how much coverage you think your family needs. And then we also, in Michigan, have added on some benefits that we think were beneficial to, to Michiganders. Like recently, um, we were able to petition um, the federal government and, and got coverage for opioid um, substance uh, disorder. And so um, for very little extra money, we were able to, to have some life-saving um, mechanisms that doctors can use um, to combat this this crisis. So you can go into this uh, website, michigan.gov slash health insurance, and then it will, not only will it let you go through and kind of look and, and get through prices, if you click on something that says um, uh, find local help, there are free assisters or navigators that will work with you. There'll be local people who you can get their you know, website, their phone number, whatever, and meet with them and talk about your family's needs and they'll guide you to the right kind of plan. The great thing about that exchange is there's no wrong door. You go in, you get on. If you're, if you're eligible for something else, you, it, it'll guide you. And the last thing I'll say before I let you um, kind of guide me where, where it might be helpful for your listeners is most people don't realize this, but you can get low or no cost coverage through the exchange. And a large number of Michiganders, somewhere around 80% in the past, have qualified for some kind of premium subsidy or tax credit, making the coverage either free or affordable. So you really can't lose by logging in and seeing what your options are. Even if you have COBRA, you know, which is what you, you can extend um, out of your own pocket, health insurance if you lose your job. You're still eligible at that change of um, circumstances for the exchange. And in most cases, your policy on the exchange will be much cheaper than your COBRA extension. Yeah, and I think um, the, I want to zero in on a couple of different points here, but I think the the first one um, is the most important thing when it comes to healthcare. One important thing for consumers is the cost, right? right. So you know, there's tax credits out there, and you know, I mean, as you said, there's there's some no cost plans that you can run into, and I I think Kaiser does a report every year where they estimate the number of people who would have access to no dollar coverage who haven't enrolled. Right. Right. And and just the idea that you could get a health insurance plan that has robust coverage. And I think that's the, the question I'll follow up on the essential health benefits. But, you know, it, it could be of no cost to you. Right. And it's, there are several of these plans available through a lot of different companies. A million Michiganders already have coverage through, somehow through the ACE, whether it's through Healthy Michigan Plan or just through marketplace plans. And we would love to see that number go up. We know a lot of people lost their health care during the pandemic. So this is a particular, you know, and Governor Whitmer went to the, um, the federal government and said, you know, we need longer enrollment period. We need, uh, you know, extended and special enrollment periods for that. Um, the federal government turned us down on that, but we were getting out the word of when you can do special enrollment and we're going to have an extra hard push. We're partnering with DHHS, um, which was able to, uh, with the governor's um, direction, Take a million dollars of CARES money from the from the pandemic kind of support and put it into helping people get health coverage during this open enrollment season. So this is just the time for families to look at, get covered, reassess their coverage, 
Um, it is so important to to the health of your family, your children, yourself um, to have health coverage. We know that. Um, and this is the time. And I think we saw most recently in the news um, the the governor they're signed on to or, or piggybacked uh, off a letter with Governor Evers from Wisconsin in, in those in those efforts, right? So this is a multi state approach to getting uh, right. HHS to extend out that those open enrollment dates. Right. This November first to December fifteenth, um, you know, it's upon us. But um, you know, to make it a little longer this year, when so many people um, are are you know, looking at health coverage and, and struggling, you know, working with their kids, their, their parents, you know, that are, you know, they're afraid to put them in, in certain kind of living situations. So they're bringing them home. I mean, people are really juggling a lot and working about their finances and their mortgages, you know, to have a little longer to make your health uh, insurance, even if it's just till the end of the year, you know, add something so that people just don't miss out. So, uh, um, I'm happy to have every opportunity, including this one, to tell people November 1st to December 15th, go to michigan.gov slash health insurance and, and take a look, check a navigator or a sister under that, find local help, get, get the information so at least you know what your options are. Yeah, I always tell people like when we, we monitor it and, you know, the, the enrollment on the exchanges almost goes off in like a little bit of a check form. So it, it starts out kind of high, like the first week, and then there's kind of a dip. But then right at the end, you know, this is where you're talking about extending that date out right at the end. It just it explodes. Right. That that, that check weeks. goes way up. Those last two weeks are, are huge because, you know, we're, we're all like that. Right. We're deadline driven. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, some people every year, some people miss the deadline for anything. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Um, if we could catch some of those by, nope, wait, this year you have a little extra time. And we saw they did in other places, filing your taxes and other places. It's not unheard of. And certainly in something as important as healthcare, we would have hoped that, that the Trump administration um, would have seen this as something really important to, you know, to the well-being of families. And, and maybe maybe there will still be some hope for that as the year um, goes on. But uh, we're going to do everything we can to, to get Michiganders covered with the tools that we have. Yeah. So just for everybody out there from from all of us, you know, shop, take a look at it. Um, and and the the tax credits and those subsidies can really, really, really reduce that premium. And I think that's just it's so misunderstood because if there is a complicated part, those tax credits are probably a complicated part. And I'm not sure anybody short of your actuaries or ours could figure out exactly how they're calculated. Have to figure it out. And, it, yeah. and really, even without, you know, some people don't like to put in their information right away when they're kind of just shopping and you don't have to. You can just go in, put your zip code because they kind of need to know, you know, where you're a resident, but you don't have to identify yourself and you can, you know, anonymously kind of put in and compare things um, before you actually decide to go ahead. So there's just no reason um, not to at least check. Um, if you're having trouble and you don't understand, you can always call our helpline 877-999-6442 um, and people direct you, give you the website address again. Or, or, you know, if you're someone who needs something mailed to you because you can't get on the Internet, um, you know, we're, we're here to help. And so also thinking about the plans that are offered in the exchange, you know, we, we, there's a lot of terminology out there, um, but I think DIFF's just completed a review of the essential health benefits in Michigan um, and, and think you, you compare those a little bit nationally. Can you talk a little bit about like just, I, I guess, maybe the uh, the um, the nature of essential health benefits? You don't have to name them. That's not what I'm looking for. But just, yeah. you know, think about all the benefits that are available underneath oh, the yeah. plan that, that, that must be there, right? Or else you don't um, or else you're, you're not allowed to you're not allowed to approve that plan, right? Oh. Not. So that was the idea. We want. I think when when the ACA passed, the idea was that um, you know it was very hard for consumers to compare plans to, and 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 people would say like, okay, I, uh, someone might say, I can get you a lower cost plan, 
but then you wouldn't, you know, know how, what kind of coverage does it have? And is it, is it going to cover me for the things I need? So these plans, we know, and we review them to make sure, you know, they have, uh, you know, the right preventative care that you can take your kids to the doctor and get their immunizations that you can have, you know, your, your, the, the women's health benefits that, that you might need that if you're hospitalized or if you have, you know, certain kinds of injuries that you have coverage that you can understand that are essential to your well-being and they're there. And, and then, as I mentioned, in Michigan, we added on some other things. And so those will all be listed out. There are different levels of plans so that you can adjust the price depending on how high of a deductible you want. Like that's how much money are, do you want to um, have to pay out first before your benefits kick in fully? And, and that may be different for different families, right? Some people might just think, you know what, I'm pretty healthy and I just want to know that if I'm hospitalized or have a big expense, I can have that. I'd rather not pay the premium. Some people know that they're going to be using that or they don't like the uncertainty and they may want to have coverage at a lower level that that comes kicks in earlier, but their premium may be a little higher. And, and that's what either kind of going through the box check boxes or working with the navigator or a sister can help you figure out where's that sweet spot for your particular family. Yeah, I was talking to a, a friend of mine yesterday. He's in a spot where he's dropped off of his parent. He's 26. He's a 26-year-old male. So for for health insurance rating purposes, he's a unicorn, right? He's what you want because they're they're healthy. They don't go to the doctor. And he called me. He's getting ready to enroll in the exchange because um, he's getting married not in 2021, but in 2022. But he loses his coverage through his parents this year. And he was talking about the exchange. And I said, yeah, balance these things out. Like if you're not a high utilizer, you know, you can you can aim here. But if you're one of these people that likes to be a little overcovered, um, you know, maybe bump yourself up to a silver or gold plan. Or if you're you're really concerned, there's even platinum plans that are offered. But right. Yeah, I mean, there, there's know, options all over the place. Mentioning that 26-year-old is another thing to remember about the uh, the ACA. So um, we hear a lot about the fact that pre-existing conditions um, and, and kids up to age 26. And if you think about how many people you know between like the ages of 18 and 26 who might not have a job that has health care um, in prior to the ACA, they your parents could have great health care. You could be living at home. And have, you know, not a job and be working, but not have health care because of the kind of job you have mm-hmm. or in school. But and you couldn't stay on your parents' health care, which and if and if that person had, you know, a hospitalization or something, it could wipe a family out. The ACA doesn't requires that they allow you to keep your kids on until they're, they're 26. And another thing they allow don't allow is pre-existing conditions. I remember back in the day that people, if you had a daughter with diabetes, for example, and you found a better job, you couldn't quit. You couldn't move on. You had to take whatever you could get because at the moment at which your daughter had, was diagnosed, you could never get health coverage again for her. And now with the ACA, you have that protection that you can go between jobs and you're not going to be denied. Just all of us have some kind of pre-existing condition at some point. And you, you may know that the um, ACA is under attack, that that there's a, um, a Supreme, you know, it's heading to the Supreme Court. Um, and that was a big part of this whole, um, this whole, you know, nomination of a Supreme Court justice. But, um, you know, those are important things. We've tried to, we'll try and keep some of them in Michigan, no matter what happens. But we're really hoping that the ACA, um, you know, is in, stays intact and is improved because, um, as I just mentioned, a million, a million Michiganders have coverage through that program. Yeah, and I think that's a really misunderstood, like the the overall impact of a million. And that's really just counting, you know, Medicaid expansion and the enrollment on the exchange. Like those age 26 folks that are being carried on the parents insurance. Right. Like, that's that's incalculable. 
And what I often explain to those is the types of people is, no, you actually want that because having those young people on a plan helps keep down costs from an underwriting perspective because they're, they're very affordable to insure and they, they help kind of balance out the risk pool. And that's one of the things that, that isn't understood. I mean, sometimes you'll hear people attack kind of the insurance pool idea and say like, well, why should, you know, a, a family who has no kids be paying for childhood immunizations or why should everybody have to pay for contraceptive care when only some, you know, there are people who don't need that, but depending on their age or whatever. Um, and the, that's because that the whole notion of insurance, it's not a prepay, it's a pool. And you use some benefits, I use some benefits, some years you have more use, some, and it works out because we're all in this large pool. If you start taking away from the pooling um, and, and, you know, de-incentivize healthy people from from joining, then that it hurts all of us because people don't have insurance. Then they go to the emergency room, it raises your taxes, all kinds of things. They're less healthy, they can't work, they're less productive, they pay less taxes. I mean, it, it permeates our whole society if people don't have adequate health care insurance. Yeah, I wrote a, a piece in Cranes recently and I talked about that. A lot of the people that reported being on the Healthy Michigan Plan specifically reported that, you know, they were on it for long enough to get a better job so they could get off of it and get job-based care, job-based insurance, right? And that's that's kind of one of those incentivized goals. Correct. That, that really does matter. And so, and people feel like this is all so complicated. I mean, you know, even, you know, and I'm, I'm talking about all education levels, all ages, you know, just, it's just something people aren't familiar with. And that's what's so good about going in through the Michigan.gov slash health insurance um, is that it'll walk you through in common terms. You don't have to, you know, it, there's, there will be explanation of things. There are people to assist you. There are check boxes. Go to the next screen. It's not complicated. It sounds sounds bigger than it is, um, and there and we're here to help um, if you, if you need help. Yeah, I will flag for our listeners too. If if you want more on the risk pooling idea, because it sounds like the director and I could go back and forth for a while. But <laughs> if you're more interested in a deep dive, we we had an episode with uh, with GNU from Priority Health, who's their senior vice president and chief actuary, and she. Um, as, as we all know, actuaries can get deeply into the numbers and, um, she really explains how that part, that really essential part of health insurance works. Um, so just flagging that out there and, and for anybody else who might be interested, it's a, it's, um, a very interesting episode and because I've always been of those world and I talked about this where, um, we just say, well, the actuary said this, so it's right, but nobody ever asked like how the actuaries come to that decision. Yeah, that's, that's right. And, and actually this year, not a no fault, um, you know, for the first time, we got our own actuaries to look at what the company's actuaries did for just that reason. I, I'm not in a position to actually dive deeply into what an actuary says, but they're based on assumptions and and things that can be discussed and questioned and tweaked. And and we're taking a look at all of those things um, to make sure that that you know just that we have the best marketplace possible uh, for our businesses and our consumers. Yeah, and. So uh, I think just specifically, Director, any final thoughts on the on the exchange itself going out here? Any other things you'd like to highlight? I and mean, we talked about the, the robust benefit packages. We talked about the affordability aspects, um, you know, the availability to get through and, and window shop through the Michigan website, through the federal website. Um, anything else like, comes to mind comes to mind before we, we move on to the next topic? Just again, to remember that health insurance um, is an important part of, um, of of being healthy and of staying healthy. and. And we want to make sure that as many barriers to that are removed. And, and you know, the lieutenant governor's looking at, you know, the disparities in healthcare care among um, racial lines and, and otherwise. And, 
um, you know, everybody has access to these to the exchange and everybody has access to the subsidies and the tax credits. And if we can get people who might not ordinarily go to these sites to go in and find out that they may be um, able to have free or low cost health care, we can improve the health of all Michiganders in all communities. So this is a really important time, November 1st to December 15th, um, to get into that Michigan.gov slash health insurance and take a look um, at your options. Yeah, I would say I think you know to anybody who might go out there and see the see the see the premium. Don't be so concerned about the premium. Wait to go through and put in your financial information to find out what you will pay, right? Because that number goes down. I think the last time I ran some numbers, um, certain plans were averaging about eighty dollars a month for some people. That's true, and and again, eighty percent of Michiganders qualified for something. Mm-hmm. So, Director, we um, always on our on our podcast here, we ask because uh, I do want to be mindful of your time. We're, we're running up here. Um, if you could demystify one healthcare misnomer or one misunderstanding, what would it be? Well, I think we've kind of talked about it, but it is that health insurance is too complicated and too expensive for me. Um, your average citizen. And, and you know, if I don't have health care, it's because I can't afford it and I can't understand it or I don't have a job where they have health care. You know, we're one of the few societies where health care is so tied to employment. And what the exchange does is um, is sort of untie that a little bit for a lot of people. If you don't have health care through your employer or you've lost your job or you lost your health care, there are options. And so what I'd like to tell people is, it's not too necessarily too expensive and it's not necessarily too complicated. And the only thing you can do wrong is not look. Don't, don't tell yourself up. In, it's, it's like you tell your kids, you know, you, you, you only lose by not trying. Um, and, and that's what I'd like to tell everyone. It's, you can do this. It's not as complicated as people make it sound. And it may be a lot less expensive than you're thinking. And the benefits are huge to your overall health and life. So then following up on that a little bit, um, what does the future of healthcare look like to you? <laughs> wow, that would be one I'd read a real crystal ball for me. We're seeing changes in healthcare, right? That uh, that are even just the result of the pandemic. I think people are more aware of their health, maybe a little bit, um, and realizing, you know, kind of the whole overall and what could happen and how your life can change in an instant. I think uh, we're looking at um, other ways of delivering care, you know, telehealth and and those kinds of things. I think we're seeing. Um, that we realize that both physical and mental health are really important components of healthy your, your health and your happiness. And um, so I, th- I think the I hope that the future of healthcare um, continues to be a recognition that healthcare is a right, not a privilege, um, that it is that every person is entitled to the same kind of healthcare. And if we can if we can make health insurance affordable and accessible, and um, we can also that will also help in making healthcare affordable and accessible to all people, so that everybody can live their best life. Um, that there aren't pockets of people who who have to worry about becoming sick or injured or deciding between food and prescription medications. Um, you know, we we want a healthy Michigan for all Michiganders. You know, and you actually reminded me of a point I I, I must admit I, I wanted to bring up was you talked about the, the speed at which things happen to the federal. I mean, this is 
it was really unprecedented the speed the federal government made changes to the healthcare market. And I think similarly, you know, you as the director of DIFFS and your team took action too. And it's almost, you know, if there's, you know, everybody says this, but if there's anything positive come out of this pandemic, I mean, yeah. government worked really quickly to make influential reforms in healthcare at what, what is an unheard of rate for healthcare, right? And I think we saw an acceleration of technology also, um, you know, that, Technology was kind of working its way up in our lives in many aspects, you know, schools, hospitals, you know, our, our daily lives, our work. Um, and some of what we've seen probably would have happened a lot later than it happened. We just forced into that for better, or for worse, and some of it's for good. And I think uh, it will, some of it will persist. Some of it, you know, the, the loss of human interaction between people in the workplace um, and in in dealing with meetings, with even like a meeting like this, where we where we might have in the past sat down across from each other, I th- I think there's there's value in that, and and a loss if we try and do everything electronically. I can't imagine what it would be like to never meet your coworkers in person, mm-hmm. um, or or you know, and what you value of you you get from working in an environment together. But at the same point, um, I think that we have to recognize that there are efficiencies and work life balance issues and others that are are affected by technology and that we can use it to good. Yeah. I I think a conversation between my wife and I yesterday and I said, no, it doesn't look like we're going, we're going back to the office for a little bit. And she was like, well, tell your boss I'm ready for you to go back. And I said, (laughs) okay. Like I, I understand at this point, like it's, it's, it's been a minute. But, but also, and I, and I get that. And I, and I also understand that, you know, young people who've had to move home need their independence in their life. But, but there's also been a chance for um, family dinner tables that weren't before um, that CEOs who are working late into the night are home for dinner for the first time that, that um, workers who, um, you know, were, were working, um, you know, frontline jobs probably didn't have that same advantage, but they were able to move um, around with some of the things with their children being home that they got to see them more than they might have otherwise. And, and so there are some things that I think was um, in a way that society um, benefited from a pause mm-hmm. uh, and kind of valuing that those things again and, and connecting. And um, but but, you know, it'll be hard. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how much sticks and how much goes back to what, what we called normal before and and what the what the what it looks like going going forward. And uh, I'm going to ask one of my other favorite uh, healthcare questions that you put out there is um, if we made you healthcare czar for the day and you could fix one thing, what would you fix? I would want to make sure that everyone had access to healthcare, that we came up with a way that we're not having to go out and, and struggle to try and figure out. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, it's a certain kind of healthcare. You know, I'm not talking about like, oh, I wish everybody had, you know, government based healthcare or everybody had the same plan. But I think everyone having access to healthcare um, and, and, and healthcare insurance and health and then subsequently healthcare, that that wouldn't be a barrier um, to, to people's um, health and that we could have a quality, more quality um, and not the divides that we have now um, in, in health that are as a result of access to healthcare and access to health insurance. Um, you know, I, 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 can, I would be really happy. 
I can tell you from the association, you know, we, we focus, um, we always benchmark ourselves. So we find the state that's doing the best for the uninsured rate. And traditionally, it's been Massachusetts. They have about a 3% uninsured rate. And Michigan's been pretty close. I mean, we had it to 5 6% here uh, pre-pandemic. And obviously, there'll be new measurements post-pandemic. But, um, you know, I think that's one thing that's also been on, you know, obviously your radar and obviously on the governor's radar is just to, to, to make sure everybody has that access and get, can get care when they need it. Well, at the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, we sit alphabetically, and I sit next to Massachusetts. Mm. Uh, I'd like to beat them. Uh, you know, we, we have a little rivalry going. Val, Gary Anderson and I next to each other. So uh, I'd love that goal to be to um, to to have uh, to to improve above what Massachusetts is doing. With uh, I I tell you from the association, we'll be there with you. We'll we'll do what we can to help out. But people, I'll tell you. Everybody benefits from having that. As I mentioned briefly before, when people are uninsured and um, don't have primary health care and don't have preventative health care, they go to the emergency room. They they go up. They go without until they're very much um, much um, more ill or things are much more grave. Um, they don't they don't take care of things the same way. And ultimately we all pay for that through some form or another, even in just the loss of productivity and the loss of, of, um, you know, people as parents longer in their life. And, and, you know, the, and the children who, who could have had better healthcare and and lived a a longer and a more productive life, you know, it comes back to society. um, If we take care of everyone. You know, I will say director, the the one uh, point you raised there is just it's it's a it's an odd number, but there's this uncompensated care number that was just really really it, it was a, a real heavy drag on the Michigan health insurance economy, really pre uh, Medicaid expansion, pre Healthy Michigan, and that number's just been trending down year over year because uncompensated care, kind of as you mentioned, it makes its way back into the system, and uh, you know we we use this balloon analogy a lot. Like unfortunately, in healthcare, costs don't just go away when you squeeze when you squeeze costs out of one spot, they go to others. Right. And, and, and we, the kind of tangible write it down on a piece of paper cost, but the cost to us as a society as well. Yeah. You know, that's that's so true. So, uh, Director, I, I will just say I appreciate you so much taking time out of your busy schedule. You know, you mentioned you, you have at least three major industries that uh, your department regulates. and You have a staff and and there's a lot going on with with um, obviously with the goals the governor has set. But um, just like to invite you um, any any final thoughts here before we sign off. Um, just again, I would like to reiterate, this is a really important time for Michiganders to take a look at their health coverage. And we know that ha- having health insurance leads to healthier Michiganders, which leads to a better and stronger state. From November 1st to December 15th, we urge people to go to michigan.gov slash health insurance, uh, get a check out uh, free you know, help from insurance agents, navigators, assisters, um, call us at 877-999-6442 if you need information. Don't wait. Um, everybody gets busy in December. It seems like a long amount of time, but we all get busy and, you know, kids are in school and um, holidays and everything. So don't wait. Get on there and uh, take a look at your potentially uh, low cost or no cost health care options. And, and I'll say from the association, you know, we want to help you beat uh, the the director from Massachusetts as fast as possible. Yeah. So we'll we'll set that as a mutual goal between the two of us. And, and you can uh, you can give them a hard time at the next NAIC meeting. I would love that. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the Explanation of Benefits podcast. And thank you, Director Anita Fox from the Department of Insurance and Financial Services for joining us. Um, as I said, you you have a very busy and robust schedule, but 
Um, it was just, I think, very enlightening for even for me who's interacted with this a lot over the years. But I think it'll be very um, enlightening for our listeners to hear all the work you're doing and all of the roles that you play within the health insurance marketplace. So thank you so much. Uh, thank um, you to you, Jeff, and thank you to the Michigan Association of Health Plans for sponsoring this and for the work you do to help get Michiganders covered. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you so much for tuning in again. And I would just say at this point, um, take care of yourself and take care of somebody else and get ready to tune into the next episode. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Explanation of Benefits podcast. Would you like to be a guest on our show or do you have a show idea? Head to MHP.org to submit that over. We look forward to demystifying Michigan's healthcare industry.